And we're back. It's time for more exciting Doctor Strange action with me, Conrad, and my and my co-host Duncan. You're on Stranger by the Dozen. So let's get into this ROM coming. Okay, we're gonna random access. Wait, no. What's the other one? Re- we're gonna only read this memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, ROM 42 from May 1983. Lead me not into temptation. Bill Mantlow scripter, Sal Buscema breakdowns, Aiken and Garvey finishes, Jim Novak letters, Ben Sean colors, Ralph Macchio editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So, like, <laughs> Doctor Strange sort of bounces out of this comic pretty early, and then the rest of it's sort of ROM stuff, I guess? Okay. But basically, um, Doctor Strange sort of wakes up, and he's in the same realm where he was hanging out with the Living Tribunal and Rom was fighting the Dire Wraith and all that stuff. Uh, Rom sort of gives some backstory and explains how the Dire Wraith's threatening Earth and he's sworn to fight them. And he sort of comes into contact with some other superheroes and stuff. Um, he is uh, here to fight them and he's got it under control, but he could use some help in figuring out where to find the bad guys. And that's what Doctor Strange provides. He casts a spell to help uh, Rom find the wraiths, and with some help from Rom's uh, 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 square shoebox gun, they manage to create a globe with a bunch of uh, pinpoint pricks showing powerful concentrations of wraiths, including one, probably the most powerful one, in like probably like the Ukraine or above the Black Sea in what's then Soviet Russia. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Uses mystical abilities, he teleports Rom there and himself back to Sanctum Sanctorum. He knows he he's he knows the dire wraiths are powerful, but that he doesn't have to worry about it because Rom is badass. Hey, kids who bought this comic because Doctor Strange was in it, you should start reading Rom. Oh, okay. Yeah. If only there was some other way to show my love for Rom through like physical purchases. Or wait, maybe kids who read Rom, maybe you should read Doctor Strange? I don't know how it works, honestly. Um, <laughs> it's a revolving door. Indeed. Everyone just buy everything. Yeah. So, just real fast, uh, Rom teleports down to Earth. He finds this sort of blasted wasteland, eventually fighting his way in. He finds this weird green paradise full of half-naked people dancing around. <laughs> Which is ineffective on Rom. Mm. Well, like, it makes him jealous. Like, he's sad that he's Rom. He wants to be a regular dude, you know? Yeah. They, he sort of asks them what this paradise comes from. They're like, go in the cave. The cave's pretty boss. He's like, okay. Inside the boss cave, he finds the face of Quasimodo, who is a science-based supervillain. He's shown up and well, we haven't right. seen him, but he sort of exists in the Marvel, in, in, in the Marvel canon as a bad guy. He's fought the Fantastic Four a bunch of times. Stuff like Quasimodo's that. a bad guy? Not the Quasimodo, right? This is just another dude who's just No, kind of... man. Yeah, because, like, it's not the... Uh, hunchback? It's not the it's Hunchback of Notre Dame, because that was, like, in like the 19th century or something. This guy's a technical guy. You can't, you can't use... A robot guy. Time, <laughs> like, distance and time to be, like, uh, an actual reason for someone not being able to be a supervillain. Based this... on just... This episode of the podcast alone. That's true as heck, actually. But <laughs> it's just not true for this one scenario. I'll have you know that actually he was created by as a semi-Modoc because his actual name is Quasi 
than motivational destruct organism. Oh, good. So the so the, so the moto the moto part stands for something. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow. <laughs> Marvel 1966, buddy. That's how it yep. goes. <laughs> but so Quasimodo offers Rom a pretty good deal. I'll put you in a human body and stuff. Uh, Rom finds it convincing and actually becomes human at the end of the comic. And is real <laughs> stoked about it. But as he does, it turns out that, Qua- that Quasimodo has uh, made a deal with the Dire Wraiths. So that Quasimodo gets the armor and the Wraiths get Rom once they've taken them all out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it ends with Rom being all human and running around as a naked human guy, and the wraiths being like, "Oh yeah, we're evil diaries, and we're gonna take down the universe." <laughs> and that's sort of the cliffhanger. As you can come back next next month and see Rom Space Man, but that's not for us, Duncan. Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, we're gonna go to Doctor Strange number fifty six from December nineteen eighty two. A Mystic Reborn. Roger Stern writer, Pat or Paul Smith penciler, Terry Austin inker, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor supreme. And this is a really fun Doctor Strange issue, actually. Okay. So we're at the Sanctum Sanctorum. Morgana Blessing, who's like a writer slash reporter kind of person, has brought a film crew with her to interview Doctor Strange at, in, in the Sanctum Sanctorum and stuff. Word. All right. Yeah, yeah. she's greeted by uh, Wong and Sarah Wolf, and Doctor Strange sort of enters the room hella dramatically down the, down the uh, main Sanctum Sanctorum <laughs> stairs. <laughs> He's been planning that for years. Absolutely. So after being introduced to the film crew and stuff, he begins, they sort of adjourn to the drawing room, and Doctor Strange starts telling his story. Wong and Sarah are like suspicious because Doctor Strange is never this forth with this forthcoming with anybody. Uh, yeah, and they're sort of maybe, yeah, so maybe they're worried that he's freaking out because of Clea or he's just sort of under her spell or something like that. Who knows? Anyhow, they get prepared for the interview. Doctor Strange sort of does the thing where he takes off his cloak of levitation and it cloaks behind and it stands behind him levitating and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we go into the Doctor Strange backstory. Um, you know, arrogant car crash hands journey apprentice. <laughs> yeah, man, we've gotten, well, I'll give you the credit. You've gotten really good at just breaking that down. <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Morda threatens his life to undo him. Dr. Strange becomes the ancient one's apprentice. What's fun though, actually here is they actually add parts onto it. At the end, we learn about Dr. We see Dr. Some, we see like, a sweet montage of Doctor Strange's actual training. Yep. How he not learns mystic strengths and kung fu, and eventually how Mordo challenges him to a wizard's duel, which Doctor Strange wins, and Mordo is cast out onto the snowy Alps. Here's where we learned that seven years pass under the Ancient One's tutelage, and eventually Mordo dispatches um, Doctor Strange with the all-seeing eye of Agamotto to... New York City to help fight to fight monsters there. Um, apparently, the Ancient One has had an, a vision of a dilapidated old, old house in Greenwich Village that Doctor Strange is supposed to move into. It's funny because it's this, basically the Sanctum Sanctorum, but it doesn't have the funky window, you know? Mm-hmm. So we actually get the mysterious backstory of the Sanctum Sanctorum here. Like, 
the real estate agent shows it to a young Doctor Strange, like in like you know a hat and stuff, because it's like 1953. <laughs> we 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 learn that like the Sanctum Sanctorum was the site of pagan cults doing sacrifices, and then it was where Native Americans held arcane rituals and stuff. And so they like got this place all magicked up for his arrival. Well, yeah, this place is already super magic, and so nobody's lived in it for a long time because it's all haunted and stuff. Eventually, Doctor Strange fixes it all up. As uh, six months later, he gets a knock on his door, and it's Wong being like, hey, I've been sent by the Magic Servant Agency to help you out here at the Sanctum. <laughs> I have a backstory, but we won't get to it for a while. Would you like a sandwich? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, be warned, this house is more than it seems. Master, I would be surprised if it were not. <laughs> and then he became a practicing sorcerer. I think it's a neat, it's a good... There's some good additions to the story here. It's not just the same sort of bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not only beat by beat. And uh, I think it's cool. I I also think that this comic has been going on long enough that I'm sure people could probably appreciate (laughs) Just getting a quick recap. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's interesting that I've sort of read is that the thing about comic books is, you know, they're mostly read by sort of kids age 10 to 14 or something like that, especially in like this era. Mm. So every four years or so, you have an entirely new audience reading reading the comic book. So you have to kind of occasionally do stuff to um, refresh people and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate it when they do it here in a new story as opposed to just reprinting old versions of the story like, like we've seen them do previously. But so in this case, we see Doctor Strange sort of recap, you know, he sort of talks about his life and the people he's met, you know, bad guys like Loki, Dormammu, or Silver Dagger, good guys like the Hulk, or even Clea, who's now, he says, sort of has returned to the Dark Dimension. Um, you know, he sort of talks about how he's gotten over his, over the grief, mm-hmm. and it's a good thing he did, because if the jerk sorcerers who are now about, who, who are now trying to confront him had tried their ruse uh, a couple of days ago, they, they might have actually been able to defeat him. Wow. Because because Duncan, this film crew, oh man, they're old school bad guys. What? All of them? Yep. So, I don't know if you remember, there was a point where Dormammu and Mordo teamed up. and Yeah, I vaguely recall that. And basically, and, and it led to Doctor Strange sort of traveling the multiverse. It was the first time he met Eternity. And they had a, bu- a bunch of big fights and stuff. And it culminated with, even after Mordo had been defeated, Doctor Strange had to fight a bunch of Mordo's uh, henchmen. Right. There were three of them. There was the demon, or Demonicus, as we call him now, uh, Adria, who was a lady sorcerer, and Caecilius, who has a sweet handlebar mustache and kind of dresses like an acrobat, and is played by Mads Mikkelsen in the new Doctor Strange movie. Oh, whoa, okay, so keep an eye out for that. Or a character by the same name, I guess. Like it's no, way it's the different. exact same. It's a way different character, and you know, Mads Mikkelsen definitely didn't grow a sweet mustache for his role and stuff. Wait, wait but, for the sequel. Fair enough, but this is like this is fun, or this is an interesting thing because this is one of the actual few um, few places where Cassilius, who you know, despite being a big bad guy in the comic book is not a very big um, character in the com- in the actual comics themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is like the... Yeah, th- this is his last appearance in, um, in, Marvel to, in, in Marvel Comics. 
Yeah, isn't this also like his second appearance? No, he had a bunch just because he spent a lot of time threatening Doctor Strange, sort of. Basically, from Strange Tales 30 to Strange Tales 143. So, like, from Episode 2 to Episode 3, essentially. <laughs> okay. But then he was more of sort of a bad, sort of a side guy. Like, you know, he was Mordo's unnamed primary henchman, essentially. Mm. But now these guys, you know, they've been mind whammied since the 60s. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Strange mind whammied them back in episode three in like, you know, early spring 1966. Right. They've since overcome their brainwashing and now they're back for revenge. Uh, <laughs> How does that go for them? <laughs> Dr. Strange basically says like, yeah, they're like, hey, like it, it wore off and now we're after you. And Doctor Strange is like, yeah, no, I knew it would wear off. I figured that since I beat you, you guys would have decided to, um, you guys would decide to not attack me again. Yeah. And they're like, uh-uh, here we go. They attack him. They attack Doctor Strange all at once, and he just waves away their attack like nothing. <laughs> and their plan is, uh, split up. We gotta go. We can't catch us all. <laughs> this is the best. This is. Uh, oh man. I, you keep going, because there's stuff I want to talk about that's going sure. on in this. Morgana, like, apologizes. Like, I didn't know they were evil magic dudes out to kill you. And Dr. Strange's like, no big deal. They were manipulating you. That's fine. Let's <laughs> take these dudes out. There is no escape. Yeah. I'm and, not in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. I mean, literally, man. Like, you don't want to... Like Dr. Strange said, this house is more than it seems. And you don't want to be an evil wizard on the run inside the Sanctum Sanctorum. Dr. Strange is at full power. Which he is now. Yeah. So basically, we follow Adrina, the lady, one of the female sorcerers, as she runs through the house and sort of downstairs and stuff. She runs through a door, finds herself in a room with, again, Cassilius and Demonicus. They're all in different directions, sort of M.C. Escher style, as a big, ghostly Doctor Strange head appears and says, There is no escape! Surrender! Yeah, it's pretty They're terrifying. Like, He's, like, turned yeah. the tables... <laughs> Like, 180 degrees instantly. It's super awesome. Like, she runs away and runs in a different direction, and then finds herself again. Like, all three of them find themselves in this, walking in through separate doors in the same room. Yeah. And, like, he's just like, you guys should surrender. You guys are woefully outclassed. Yeah, Strange really becomes almost terrifying in these comics. Yeah, it's good, man. I like it. I think it's cool that, like... So often, get. <laughs> so often, Doctor Strange fights like a god and is completely outmatched. You know, it's cool. Yeah. To, like to me, it's cool to see him sort of in his element, being powerful and stuff. We actually don't see it that as often as you might think in his own comic. Right. You have to have these moments, like the ebbs and flows of being a superhero, where there's yeah. like people that they can just deal with handily, and then that makes like the the counterpoints where they're up against these like powerful god forces like all the more impactful. Yeah, exactly. Especially because in the first half of this episode, he basically just spent every comic messing up and getting captured and screwing around and stuff. Right. It's good to see him back in control of his powers, you know? Um, So he's in his astral form. He's sort of fighting all the bad guys. Um, Demonicus and Cassilius team up on Doctor Strange as Adria uh, rummages through Doctor Strange's closet looking for crazy magical items. Eventually, she finds something, the purple jewel, that takes you beyond the purple veil. Oh, no. 
It's pretty Where awesome. Where you want to be? No, man. She drops some power into it. Purple mists comes out of the gem, and all three of them are sucked beyond the purple veil. Now I know what you're saying. Hey, wasn't the purple veil, um, the jewel for the purple veil, destroyed also in a previous comic, like two or three times ago? The answer is yes. Don't worry about it too much. That's exactly what I was going to say. So thank you for bringing it up. No, because like ugh, the purple veil, uh, it was a you know one of the first Doctor Strange deals. Now it's back again. We, we last saw it back in Doctor Strange 33 in 1979 and episode 17 of the podcast where uh, Clea almost got sucked into it again. And, you know, we go back to the point where in episode two, wasn't the Purple Veil um, accidentally destroyed by Loki during the, the Doctor Strange Loki fight? Apparently not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyhow, now these evil sorcerers are sucked beyond the purple veil. Um, Doctor Strange thinks, oh, maybe I should go through there and pull those guys out um, so they don't become enslaved by the people who live in the purple dimension. No way, Strange, that's a fool's game. Doctor Strange eventually agrees with you and <laughs> says, like, hey, it was their fault for messing with it, that's not my deal. Yeah. And those guys are imprisoned in the purple dimension, many of them to this day, I believe. <laughs> There was this one time when we first met Dormammu, where he like he tasked some of his henchmen to go after Doctor Strange, and mm -hmm. if they failed, he like banished them to an alternate reality, yeah, like hellscape. Mm -hmm. That was like in like episode five or six or something. Yeah, of this that's podcast. pretty. That's a pretty early situation, sure. So like at least now they have company, I guess. <laughs> well, like when we first met the Purple Gem, some some thugs stole it and accidentally sent themselves into the purple dimension, but because those, and then Dr. Strange went and saved them, but because those guys were thugs, as opposed to evil magicians, uh, Dr. Strange is, uh, has different policies. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, so evil has been defeated. Uh, Dr. Strange is like, hey, no hard feelings, Morgana. Hey, you know, maybe we should like get a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> Sarah and Wong um, dismiss themselves and hang out and end with... Um, Doctor Strange and Morgana sort of getting to know each other better, becoming friends, and who knows what else. As each story ends, a new one yet begins, ends this issue, or this issue of the comic. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done with Solo Strange stuff, Duncan, but you know what it means when we're done with Solo Strange stuff. Micronauts. It means it's Defenders time. Oh, they're like Macronauts. Yeah, I mean, they're basically... Not? I, I don't know. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Let's talk Defenders. Whenever you say that, I get really worried. Man, a lot, a lot goes on in these Defenders stories. That's a, that's a true fact. <laughs> that's what happens when you have too many superheroes. Basically. So we pick up on the... Def where we, we pick up with the Defenders where we last left them. Um, you'll recall last, like, last episode that... Most of the Defenders, like your Nighthawk, Valkyrie, Hellcat, Gargoyle guys, mm -hmm. were, all, were all kidnapped by sleep gas while celebrating the fact that Kyle Richman had finally been exonerated from his crimes. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought we were done with this dude. Well, he's still paralyzed and stuff, Natch. Um, what? Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Just leave, leave this guy alone, okay? I get it that he's kind of a tool. But, like, oh. not even Carson Daly deserves something like this. I like how you're talking about leaving him alone based on the content of this comic, Duncan. <laughs> I also would like him not to be in the comic anymore. 
hold on. <laughs> so Doctor Strange is meditating. He has a vision. He sees the heads of all the uh, kidnapped defenders plus Captain America. <laughs> and he realizes that he hasn't seen those guys in a while. And they're probably, and they may be in danger. It's time. He, he should help them. But first he puts out an astral call to a bunch of buddies. He summons your friend and mine, Damon Hellstrom, some Satan, uh, Hank McCoy, the Beast from the X Men, and oh yeah, and uh, as as a uh, Hank McCoy makes his way there, he bumps into Daredevil, and all three of them make their way to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, Doctor Strange mind scans Daredevil and finds out that Daredevil's forgotten the fact that they were attacked by government agents with gas guns. Well, maybe it has something to do with all of the irreparable brain damage you caused, Stephen Strange. It's true, but he wa- they were hit by hypnogas, so that's a problem. <laughs> all these guys have been kidnapped, and it's time for our buddies to go after to go out and save them, which is always a good time. <laughs> uh, Daredevil and Beast pile, pile on Son of Satan's Hell Chariot, and they're off. They're in the uh, co- they they're headed to the Colorado Rockies, where a you know your standard uh, futuristic supervillain base has been carved into the into the mountains, and there's a bunch of guards with machine guns, but also like Roman costumes. Like all the guards have like helmets and um, you know togas togas type skirts and breastplates and stuff. Right. Yeah. So this happened off screen, <laughs> but. Last episode, we also talked about how Kyle Richmond met this other lady in a wheelchair that was also a powerful psychic, and her powerful psychic abilities are what caused uh, Nighthawk to become paralyzed in the first place. Right. I remember that. Yeah, so now she and a bunch of other powerful psychics have been hooked into this big government death machine. Okay. (laughs) Um, Sure. Let's do it. While at the same time... um, the rest of the defenders have been captured and are currently flying around in an anti-grav bubble and have been taken hostage by this government organization. All right, do we need any more storylines? As well as Captain America, he's there too. Okay. And these powerful, this, uh, these powerful psychics, all linked up in this big machine, are going to lead an all-out psychic attack on the USSR and kill every man, woman, and child in... Uh, Soviet Russia. That's just too far. With Soviet Russia killed, the rest of the communist world will fall. The war to end all wars. All right. Kyle Richmond is not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of this. No. Well, you know, most people are against genocide, I guess. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> who said that this would be an okay idea? We just took down Hitler and the space devil. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the government isn't super for it. That's why. The guards are dressed like Roman dudes instead of like army dudes. Yeah, okay. Also, I gotta ask, are the guards... There are like some shots where the guards have like elf ears, and I don't know if like maybe I'm seeing things, or you know what? Who cares? I think you're seeing things. Those are just regular dudes. All right. They just have weird like helmet things. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, as they were for that time period. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, our four defender, our four free defender buddies, you know, Doctor Strange, Hellstrom, Daredevil, and Beast, are yep. all on this mountain trying to find a way in. Uh, they realize that the mountain's hollow, but they can't find the doorway, eventually revealing the metal plate plating of the base itself, like, uh, Hellstrom's Hellfire. This sets off an alarm, 
and so the army, so the uh, Roman army guys come out to uh, search the, search the spot. As they do, Kyle's Kyle Richmond Nighthawk sort of looks at the at the psychics hooked into the machines, and they all kind of make sort of a pleading eye kind of connection with him. They should send him like a mental note. <sighs> get out! Get out! Of, get out! <laughs> it's not comfortable. <laughs> Anyhow, as uh, the Roman the, the Roman guards search the search the mountainside and don't find anything. And as they walk back in, we found out that while four men have gone out, eight men are coming back as the defenders have disguised themselves magically as other guards. Nice. This I love more disguises in my comics, please. Yeah. The uh, the only um, the one weakness to this ploy is suddenly revealed as uh, the sergeant starts calling roll. <laughs> and there's a big old brawl inside the base as the beast shows up and starts taking people out. You know, the Beast has always fancied himself a thespian, a swashbuckling hero like Errol Flynn or Woody Allen. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Wait, what? Really? Is that a line? Yeah, that's his joke. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, our guys start... So, the Beast creates a distraction, and our guys start uh, infiltrating the base, finally making their way and freeing our buddies, the rest of the team. But as they do, Kyle... And as they do, Kyle Richmond starts... Shook starts exhibiting some extra powers. Suddenly, he's throwing eye beams at people and working on the self-destruct mechanism of the uh, of the base. Okay, cool. Now that he has superpowers, he can go leave and do something in another comic book. Exactly. Well, kind of. He's um, <laughs> tapped into the power of the psychics. Like they don't want to kill millions of people either, and so he's triggered the self-destruct mechanism in the base, in the mountain base thing. Mm-hmm. And basically says, like, hey, I have to stay here and watch the self-destruct system. You, Doctor Strange, get everybody else out of here. Like, teleport them away. Yes, please. Doctor Strange does so right at the last minute. And as they do, there's a huge explosion. The mountain base has been destroyed, and the threat to humanity has been averted. But in doing so, Kyle Richmond has, has sacrificed himself and has died. I doubt that. No, man, let's he's wait, dead. Let's wait two comics and see if he's still dead. All right. Two comics, that's the count. Let's wait three comics and see if he's still dead. Two comics, that's the count. <laughs> <laughs> we go to Defenders 107 from June 1982 on Death and Dying. J.M. DeMatteis, writer Don Perlin Breakdown, Esposito, Stone, Trapani, and Milgram Finisher, Shelley Lefferman, letterer, George Russo's colorist, Alan Milgram, editor, James Shooter, editor-in-chief. So Kyle Richmond's dead, buddy. It's it's rough. Everybody's sad. Are they? Yeah, man. Everybody's sad. They like that guy. I guess you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> they start being, they're about to head home to mourn. Valkyrie's hanging back behind them, but before they can do anything, one of those Roman dudes pops up out of a manhole cover. And shoots Valkyrie right in the back. She's dead, too! Oh, no. Wait. No, wait. I like her. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough thing, man. Nighthawk and Valkyrie are dead. It's terrible. Yeah, now I'm starting to care. <laughs> we cut to the new Defenders townhouse recently purchased by Kyle Richmond for the Defenders. Uh, Patsy Walker, Pat, uh, Hellcat is pretty... just to rub it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm here stay at this place that I got for you. Also, you killed me. <laughs> uh, 
Hellcat's pretty messed up, frankly. Like, she's been one of the main members of the Defenders for the last, like, 20 or 30 issues. Um, she's been, she was real good friends with Nighthawk. She had a weird... No, sorry. She had a coded, um, more-than-friends relationship with Valkyrie. That's kind of hard to get it. That I, don't, again, don't feel qualified to get into. Um, <laughs> and now she's just super, super distraught, you know? Um, we have a lot of talk by these guys about dealing with death and dying and things like that, you know? Um, Gargoyle's all old and sort of has some perspective on it, but Patsy's real and consolable, you know? Like Beast tries to say stuff. Um, Hel- uh, Hellstrom sort of talks about how if there's a Prince of Evil, there must be a Lord of Love as well. Um, Who's also your dad. We've learned this already. Yeah, but he, he, that was purged from his mind, so he forgets about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and Doctor Strange sort of talks about how, for magic guys, death is just another part of the equation, and so you can't get too freaked out about it. But it's still a bummer, and they sort of go, and everybody but Hellcat essentially goes to a big memorial service um, out in uh, upstate New York. As well as the other guys in the comic so far, a bunch of people show up. Uh, Thor shows up because of Valkyrie, I'd imagine. Spider-Man shows up because he's legally obligated to do so because it's a, a Marvel comic. <laughs> then a bunch of other former defenders show up, like Hawkeye, Luke Cage, Namor, and the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. And then even the Hulk. Everybody shows hey, up. the Hulk's back. Yay! And everyone's sort of worried that the whole about the whole killing everybody, but no, he's crying. He's real sad. Oh! And they have a big power. Everybody shoots their powers into a brazier that um, is like for their memorial service and stuff. And it's pretty. It's a pretty cool picture, actually. Everybody around this um, brazier shooting their powers. Daredevil's holding his ears because he's deaf and or because he's blind and stuff, and his hearing's more sensitive. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Meanwhile. In the uh, townhouse, Patsy Walker's writing in, in her diary, and she hears her voice being said ghostily, Patsy, the ghost of Valkyrie is visiting her. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know why that's spooky. You're like friends. What, the ghost of your dead friend, who you're sort of sad and maybe blame yourself a little bit for dying? Yeah. Is suddenly but... talking to you, and st- or is suddenly showing up to you and advancing and not talking to you? Yeah, you can hang out with your buddy again. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. They can't talk or anything like that, but it's a it's whole like thing. It's like that TGIF show, Teen Angel, where a kid eats a spoiled hamburger and then gets to be buddies with his friend like for all eternity. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, come on. You know Teen Angel. I, that's the one. I feel, like, I feel like this is the one thing I don't actually know, which makes me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in Asgard, as I always like to say, <laughs> uh, the Enchantress who will remember as being sort of an instrumental person in Valkyrie existing. Like, she sort of jammed the spirit of Valkyrie into the body of um, cre- of insane Earth Lady Barbara Norris and created the Valkyrie in the first place, mm-hmm. is talking to the sorcerer Carnilla, the queen of the Norns. And she's trying to find the a mystical artifact called the Rose of Purity. It appears that um, Enchantress has fallen in love with a concept, I want to say. <laughs> okay. She's fallen in love with the, what looks like to be a guy with brown hair who wears a white robe and is surrounded by woodland creatures, but whose face is just a glowing light. 
It seems like it's just Princess Aurora from Disney. No, because Princess Aurora had a face, man. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, right. She had a face. I forgot. Sorry. You got to remember these things. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget about the face. But so after everybody comes back from the uh, funeral, or not everybody, I should say, but like a good a good amount of everybody, I'm going to say, uh, Spider-Man. Anybody who's anybody. Yeah, basically Spider-Man, the Hulk, Submariner, with the rest of the red, of the regular Defenders team, so Doctor Strange, Son of Satan, and Gargoyle, um, talk to Patsy about the uh, about the ghost. Um, Hulk, nobody really believes her. They think she's hallucinating, except for Hulk, because <laughs> Hulk's a good friend and does believe her. But then the ghost appears, so it's good times. <laughs> they, um, the whole team gets together and does a seance around. Valkyrie's sword, Dragonfang, and they summon Valkyrie's soul to them. And it turns out Valkyrie's ghost appears and she explains that she is not dead, which is pretty dope. Why, Duncan? Yeah, please <laughs> because, tell me. Because of ridiculous Valkyrie things. So you know how... Like standard ridiculous Valkyrie things? I mean, it's the, it's the Valkyrie stuff we've been dealing with since, like, Defenders 4... In, like, okay. episode 7 of the podcast. Or episode 8, I guess. But, like, so there's this lady, Barbara Norris. Yeah, yeah. She had her, a body. She, yeah, she, she had a body, but her mind was driven mad by spending by spending a year or two as the mate of this demon called the Unnamed One. Uh, the Enchantress incarnated the soul of the Asgardian Brunhild aka Valkyrie onto this body and that's who and that's who um Valkyrie was for a long time mm-hmm. like sort of in the body of Barbara Norris and both her both Valkyrie and Barbara Norris both being inside the body at the same time Valkyrie sort of being Valkyrie and Barbara Norris being this crazy lady then later she went to Asgard and the Barbara Norris spirit was pulled out of her and put into her original body as Valkyrie, and then that body was destroyed, along with Barbara Norris's spirit. So it was just Valkyrie in Barbara Norris's body. That's how it's been for the last maybe 25 issues. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, because the Barbara Norris body was killed, and it wasn't Valkyrie's actual body, now she's not fully dead. She's like a ghost. That's her spirit's loose. So if they can find her original body, then her spirit can join that body, and then she'll be back. She'll be full 100% Valkyrie, and we'll be done with all this terrible Valkyrie confusingness. Hey, Conrad? Yeah. You know that this is all just crazy nonsense, right? Yep. So, okay. anyhow, Valkyrie's spirit gets um, gets a temporary holding spot inside her sword, Dragon Fang. Cool. That just made that sword a lot cooler. Yeah. And as this happens, <laughs> Enchantress shows up and says... Uh, I've got a mission for you, and if you want Valkyrie, see Valkyrie alive again, you'll do it, you jerks. Convincing. And that's the end of the issue. <laughs> <laughs> so we jump to Defenders 108, Wasteland, J.M. DeMatteis, writer, Mark Greenwald, plot assist, Don Perlin, breakdowns, Sinat, Sinat Trapani, Bar, uh, Barta, and Milgram Inks, Shally Lefferman, Letterer, George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, okay. Yeah. Enchantress is here. She's got a deal. Save the Um, sword, which has a lady in it. Yeah, she's got the sword. She's got the lady. Um, 
she's retrie- and she says she's retrieved uh, Valkyrie's original body, um, which has, which of course still has Barbara Norris's spirit in it, but whatever. Okay. She wants them to get the Rose of Purity, and if she does, then she'll put uh, Barbara Norris's, or she'll put Valkyrie's body, Valkyrie's spirit back in Valkyrie's body, which will also obliterate the Barbara Norris spirit currently inhabiting Valkyrie's body. Okay, this that's is, not good. This is the big thing, all right? Yeah. So basically, this, for, this causes a split on the team. A lot of people feel morally weird about even restoring Valkyrie to her body because it would kill Barbara Norris inside Valkyrie's body. Wasn't and she already dead, though? She's, like, not, she's not, like, dead. She's, like, crazy. She's mad beyond the point of recovery. I thought that there was a point where they just, like, got rid of this whole backstory. And they were just like, oh, yeah, that doesn't, that's not a thing anymore. No, they swapped it into Valkyrie's body, and Valkyrie's body was lost in uh, Asgardian hell. It wasn't a big deal, but whatever. Uh, okay. Essentially, <laughs> there's a mission, all right? Right. A mission to get the Rose, the Rose of Purity. Going after it are Hellcat, Namor, Son of Satan, and the Hulk. The rest of the guys, Doctor Strange, Gargoyle, Beast, and Spider-Man, refuse to go on the mission. So, the first team... Um, oh, sorry, so, the, the first team goes to get the Rose. As they do, we also see the backstory of... Enchantress sort of tricking Valkyrie and stealing her soul and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, they go to the Rose of Purity. Sitting at the Rose are a blue dude with uh, tentacles in his chest. Yeah, this dude's awesome. Like he's got a beard and four eyes. And he actually kind of looks like an Adventure Time character, I gotta say. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. And he's got a girlfriend with red skin and white hair who plays a harp. And they just sort of spend all day sitting by this sweet rose, uh, dancing the To the Rose song, essentially. <laughs> okay. And they're like, hey man, this, uh, this rose is pretty sweet. Like, we enjoy it a lot. I'm a crazy monster guy, but I don't feel like a crazy monster guy, because this rose is making me feel good. I feel like that this rose, taking this rose is going to be completely detrimental. Oh yeah, it's pretty clear that Taking this rose is going to mess these people's lives up and a lot of other things up. Yeah. That's why when the Hulk Brooks is the subject of, we got to take that rose, like, uh, right now, mm-hmm. the blue guy is like, you want to take our rose? No. Or you want to take our god? No. And then it's fighting time. This guy hasn't fit, fight, fit fought in a long time, and he's breaking a vow to do so. Um, well, it's an awesome time to break that vow. Basically, sort of as, as Valkyrie trapped inside the sword dragon fang screams at patsy not to do it uh hellcat takes the sword and is about to chop down the rose with the sword as it protests not to do it yeah as she's stopped by the um by the harp playing lady like it's just everything's bad you know this guy's yeah. fighting and undoing his vows and sort of hurting himself and barely holding off hellstrom hulk and namor as um Hellcat tries to take the slice, but eventually can't bring herself to destroy the rose. It's like a super bummer. Yeah, <laughs> made, for sure. Made all the worse when the head of Enchantress shows up and is like, hey, why don't you guys have a rose yet? You're jerks. Well, who cares what she thinks? <laughs> and they're like, no, man, we aren't going to do it. <laughs> um, and she's like, ah, you can't get good help these days. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, with the deal broken and the rose not coming to her, 
and Chantress is like, screw this, I'm going to destroy Valkyrie's body and this will all be done with. But as she does, her beam is reflected and the other defenders, uh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Beast, and Gargoyle, have instead found their way to Asgard and confront her. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. So, it looks pretty much like uh, like fight time, I'm going to say. Yeah, it seems to be about that time. But before they do, the uh, the ghostly robed figure that that that, that uh, Enchantress is in love with, who's like the personification of love, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. uh, basically says, um, like, man, Enchantress, I thought I liked you, but you're kind of a jerk. <laughs> um, I'm going to go my own way. But before I do, there's someone calling out to me who needs love more than anybody. And she... And he magically withdraws the spirit of Barbara Norris from the body of Valkyrie. The two of them kind of make out and then disappear into multicolored light. Whoa. That's intense. Yeah. You know what's even more intense? No. Tell me. When love drew Barbara Norris's spirit out of the body of Valkyrie, Valkyrie's own spirit entered it. And now Valkyrie's back, large and in charge, and it's time to kick the crap out of the Enchantress. What? Finally. Yeah. Finally, we get to Defenders 109. Vengeance cries the Valkyrie. Mark Gruenwald and J.M. DeMatteis, scripters Don Pearl and Breakdowns. Joe Sinnott finishes. Shelley Lefferman letters. George Russo's colorist. Al Milgram editor. Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. Showdown time! Yes, this is what we've been building for. For a thousand years thou hast held mine immortal body in bondage, Enchantress, but now by the gods thou shalt pay. And it's pretty crazy. Doctor Strange uses the crimson bands of Sidorak to wall off the Enchantress and Valkyrie as they fight, and then those and then the rest of the of the team uh, fights the Valkyrie's harpy harpy dudes. Mm-hmm. With the beast kind of making a joke about how, hey, aren't aren't Harpy's Greek mythology not Norse mythology? <laughs> which which I think is pretty solid. But um, yeah, that's great. They kind of keep fighting. The fight against the um, so Valkyrie kind of starts off beating the crap out of Enchantress. It seems like her uh, vow to not fight women has not survived the the uh, return to her body. Because she's smacking her around, because Valkyrie is smacking uh, Enchantress around pretty solidly. Yeah. However, eventually Enchantress gets her magic about her and starts turning Valkyrie's legs into stone, like part of the cobblestone of this room. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Valkyrie's turned to stone within reach of this gem that the that the Enchantress used to remove Valkyrie's soul from her body, and that Valkyrie mystically has a lot of knowledge of after the last thousand years of being um <laughs> of being dista- dispatched right so she uses the gem to trap enchantress instead now valkyrie laughs as enchantress's soul is ripped from her body and imprisoned the gem it's pretty sweet <laughs> <laughs> um dr strange teleports Hellcat over um, in, in there just to show her that, that Valkyrie's still alive, and Valkyrie sort of spends a minute thinking, like, hey, if I destroy this gem, I'd just be able to kill um, Enchantress straight out. But instead, she decides not to and entrusts the gem to Doctor Strange. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's, I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, next big thing. <laughs> um, Valkyrie then heads into, heads into Asgard to basically yell at Odin. 
For sure. Like Valkyrie had my body in a Snow White-esque um, crystal box for the last thousand years. Like, why did you do anything, jerk? <laughs> and, you know, Odin's like, hey, man, like, I offered to help you out a couple times during the war against um, Hela to recover uh, Valhalla and stuff. And you said no. So I figured you were interested in doing Asgard stuff. <laughs> and eventually they kind of work out their differences. I don't understand the point of this part of the comic. It's just, I feel like most of it's sort of to preempt people actually writing in and being like, well, why didn't Odin do anything about this all this time, you know? I guess, okay. I forgot that you have to plan for those kind of people. Oh, I mean, if anybody's going to do it, it's people reading comics in, 19, in, in like 1982. Yeah, like, for sure. That is a fact. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the rest of the guys, Hulk, Namor... And son of and and uh, Hellstrom are floating through a uh, realm beyond sanity as a result of the after effects of the fight against the uh, the Rose, and they sort of land. And someone mysteriously says, "Like not the most grateful landing, guys." And everyone's like, "It can't be by the swarthing Sargasso," and so forth. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the other the, the other defenders, Beast, Spider Man, Doctor Strange. Gargoyle and Hellcat sort of teleport back in the townhouse and sort of, you know, go back over things. Doctor Strange goes to follow the rest of the team, and it's just a lot of unpacking and stuff. For sure. You know, Everyone's got to go home and do their own thing. Basically, Hellcat's, uh, Hellcat feels like, just from the couple minutes that she's seen of Valkyrie back in her original body, she seems different than the Valkyrie she's grown, to, uh, she's grown so close to over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And while she puts on a brave face, she's still pretty broken up about it. Yeah, for sure. That Meanwhile, was like, I don't know, that was kind of rooting for those two. Yeah. Meanwhile, she starts looking over her um, like old photo albums and stuff. And she's like, man, like my dad seems so nice in these pictures. It's rough that he's actually Satan in disguise. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dolly, her sort of uh, friend slash housekeeper slash mother figure, is like, you're just gonna believe Satan when he says, like that he, you're that he's your dad. Like you aren't gonna like fact check that a little bit. And you know what, Dolly, you, you make some good points. Patsy's like that's valid as hell. And so she sort of goes off on a road trip to try to find her dad and see if he's actually Satan or not. For sure. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange is on hot on the heels of Namor, Hulk, and Hellstrom. He follows them through the realms of madness and lands and finds, oh my god, the Galdern Nighthawk. Oh. With a sweet new costume. I'll be the judge of if it's sweet or not. Yeah, it's pretty it sweet. It is. Yeah. Come on, man. It's like all black. He doesn't have a mouth hole anymore. Yeah. It's got a Thank goodness. Really, Get rid of the mouth hole. <laughs> it's got a really overblown, like, uh, exaggerated um, Nighthawk picture and stuff. I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, it's all right. It's definitely far improved from what we were dealing with. Yeah, and so next week we're going to deal with um, all this stuff as we go to a largely Defenders issue. What did you think of this week, Duncan? I thought these were some pretty sol- solid ones. I really liked the ones like uh, 55 and 56 for Doctor yeah. Strange, where he was yeah. all sad and the art was just incredible. Uh, yeah. I will yeah, the, say that... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the one bummer that I have from this, this uh, episode was, man... 
I always get so excited whenever they say that Spider-Man's going to be in a comic, and he doesn't, he's not done anything. There's no point for him to be there. No, it's a very minor Spider-Man appearance in this one. Kind of wisecracks once or twice, yeah. some things, but he's very much just a face in the crowd in, this, in, in, in these issues. Yeah, but you know what? That's that's so minor compared to how cool uh, Stephen Strange 55 and 56 were, and they had some really good like character-building moments. And yeah. I think that, like, as sad as it is for me to see, like, the character Clea leave the story in, mm-hmm. in such a way, I think that it's, like, I mean, they were building for this for some time now. Yeah, I mean, Roger Stern basically has been, is the real architect be, behind Clea leaving, and he's been doing it for, like, for like at least two or three years of the, of, 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 of the comic, for sure. Yeah. So I think it yeah. all was, like, a pretty good payoff for that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that, I like, I love these stories with, um, you know, Clay breaking up with Doctor Strange, then him dealing with it and stuff like that. Those are really neat stories. These yeah. Defenders issues are really interesting just in terms of like finally clearing up this Valkyrie business, which has been just a millstone around that character who's actually pretty fun for a long time. Yeah. And like this new Nighthawk thing is going to be ridiculous. Like we're about to, <laughs> things are about to get ridiculous. Things have been ridiculous for about 26 episodes of the podcast, I think. <laughs> Half a year of ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So if you'd like to contact to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen, on Twitter at strangerbythedozen, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'm going to try my best to post a bunch of images from these issues so you can, so, so you can check out some of this excellent artwork. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. If you leave a five-star review on any platform, I will read it on the show. Those reviews really help people find the show, so please submit them if you can. (laughs) Duncan, as always, remains unreachable on the internet, but you can check him out on our Lucha Underground recap show, Atomic Heel Turn, on a podcast network near you. Tune in next week as the return of Nighthawk gets ridiculously confusing and the defenders team up with the squadron supreme for some sweet interdimensional superheroics. Uh, <laughs> things will get weird and we get a new member of the defenders the overmind we also join uh the doc for his brief role in the awesome contest of champion event contest of champions event <laughs> uh also alpha the gun returns but don't stress out about it Oh, Until... already, this is a nightmare. Why did you even... <laughs> Until, oh, okay. Until then, faithful listeners, I say, soon they weave even greater spells. Symphonies of sorceries cascade and crash about the chamber, and their composer is Doctor Strange, master of the mystic arts. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Duncan, it's a stranger by the dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.